I don't understand the snow has been melting the last two days. In the last two days, my car has gone sideways, leaving my, my, somebody explain that to me later. Well, welcome everybody here at Newburgh, our West Campus on Facebook Live. Um, I, I just thank God that we get to do this, don't you? I thank God that we get to come together. I was just standing in the back and Jeremy walked off and I said, isn't it amazing that we get to do this week after week? I'm gonna pray, but before I do, I wanna encourage everybody to, to pray for the Right to Life movement. Uh, this is Sanctity for Life Sunday. So kind of join me as I pray for that and pray for our service this morning. Father, what a great God. What, what an amazing sense of humor you have. I, I never lose the, the humor in the fact that I get to sit out here and do this, God. This, crazy dumb kid from Bellevue, Kentucky. God, I get to sit out here and be a part of this. What, what a testimony to your love, to your, to your care and concern for all of us, God, that you have pursued us. Now, Father, I pray for this, the, the right to life movement. I pray for these precious unborn children, God, that you would give this country wisdom, that you would turn us uh, to, to a much higher moral standard, God. Protect that, these children in this movement, Father, for we ask it in Christ's precious name. Amen. I'd like to ask you to contemplate this question today. <clears throat> is there a difference between living and existing? Is there, is there a difference between living and existing? Are, those who simp are, those, are there those who enjoy life or those who endure life? Are there people who are living life to the absolute fullest? I mean, no matter what happens, they have a smile on their face. We, we love those people, don't we? We love being around them. Perhaps there are people that are in the middle, depending on the day. Maybe there's a smile on their face. Maybe there's not. I was in a store the other day, and I was frequently see this gentleman. I said, hey, man, have a great day. And in all seriousness, he turned to me and said, it's a little too early to know what kind of a day it's going to be. I'm just hoping it'll be a good day. And I thought, dude, you can't even give me great. And he say, have a good day. I said, have a great day. That, that wasn't even on his horizon. That wasn't possible. What's the difference? Why does life seem to flow for some and dry up for others? What, some people's lives are just on the right track. And some people seem to be in... Some of us sometimes need to be in desperate need of realigning and rerouting. Uh, you know what? I, I had a good friend who used to say to me all the time, Rick, if your car's out of alignment, it cannot align itself. You've got to take it into the shop. Now, I'm from Kentucky, so I tried hitting potholes to knock it straight. I mean, that makes sense, right? I hit a pothole, it went out, hit a pothole, it comes back in. But it doesn't work that way. It can't fix itself. And it's the same way with life and relationships. If, there's, if they are out of alignment, you need to do something about it. 
Well, today I want us all to be open to allowing God to realign and reroute our lives. In, in, in the book of Deuteronomy, the fifth book of the Old Testament, the Jewish people, God's chosen people, are on the verge of entering the promised land, which was basically this massive territory, thousands and thousands and thousands of acres, this huge territory that God had told him he was going to give them. It was a fertile land. I mean, if you threw a seed on the ground, it was going to grow. It was filled with great hunting and fishing. It, jobs and homes were, were going to be in abundance. It was a place you wanted to be. Well, previously, life for them had been marked with slavery and thankless work. And then over the last 40 years, they had been wandering in the del desert and wilderness. Basically, folks, picture this. They had been camping for 40 years. I, I don't want to camp for four hours. I mean, seriously, the only happy camper is the guy leaving the campgrounds. He's the only one smiling. I, I don't even like, and I, I mean this so heartily, I don't even like hotels that are too far out in the country. I spoke in at events once. I pulled into the hotel. I said, where's the nearest Starbucks? He said, 40 miles away. I said, I'm leaving. But that was all about to change. The good life was ahead of them. The promised land was right across the river. I mean, they could see it, a chance to a new life. When, when I was a kid, I lived in Bellevue, Kentucky, right on the river. And right across the river was the Cincinnati Stadium. I, I could see the Red Stadium my whole life. I thought it was the most amazing thing. Well, they're on, they're on the river, and they can see this promised land. Well, Moses, their leader, had reached the end of his life on earth, and he wasn't going to make the journey in with them. But this is what he said in one of his final speeches to the people. Deuteronomy chapter 30, the text we've been in. He said, today I have given you, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life. Are you sensing a pattern here? Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your sentence might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Notice he says, oh, that you would choose life. You can make this choice. This is the key to your life. God, through the leadership of Moses, is offering these people a choice for their next chapter in life. I, I, I see life as a book. I always have. I see chapters. And, and some chapters are sad. Some are dramatic. You know, you, you know when people always will put on Facebook, go see this movie. It made me cry. And I always think, then why would I want to go see it? Why do I want to go be miserable for two hours at 15 bucks? But I... I believe that God offers that same choice to us day after day and year after year. Uh, uh, the next chapter of your life. And, and any day can start a new one. You can redefine yourself at any moment. You keep just existing and struggling. You can do that or you can realign yourself and open yourself to joy. Let me paraphrase that for you. If God is calling you to do something then do it today. If God is calling you to do something, then do it today because that is where real life is. That's where the adventure is. That's where life worth living. That's where joy is. That's where existing ceases and abundant life begins. The previous two chapters of their lives, slavery and then wandering in the wilderness, were about to end. That was the past. 
Now they were entering tomorrow and a choice was laid before them. Life or death, blessings or cursings. Moses literally said, you make the choice. Guys, is that a tough one? Joy or misery, life or death? That's like asking me if I want Starbucks or Thornton's coffee. Do you want to go to Disneyland or perhaps the dentist? No offense to my dentist, Adam, who's in the audience. I believe I'll take life. I want blessings. Give me Disneyland. I always said if Disneyland ever put a Starbucks in, it would be heaven on earth. And now there are four. If there's ever a Groundhog's Day, let it be there. You would think everyone would have stood up and said, Moses, I'm in. Are you kidding me? I want God to bless me. I want life. I'm so tired of just existing. I'm done. Realign me. Reroute me. But there were some conditions. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. Just, just a few. There's, they're, they're, they're just a few. That's just the key to your life. It's a short list but, list, but here's the truth. Doing all that won't always be easy, but it'll be worth it. Oh, it's easy to say, I love God. It's only three little words, but God is not looking for words. He is looking for action. Somebody recently said to me, we preach a lot of grace here, and we do, but faith alone saves, but saving faith is never alone. God isn't looking for words. He's looking for action. Salvation is a task of a moment. First John 5, 13, I've written this to you, you believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. But, but if you just stop there, I'm saved, and you are missing out on an abundant life. You are on the other side of the river. You are looking at it, but not receiving it. I promise you, God isn't just looking to grant you eternal life. He wants a relationship with you in which he can pour out the storehouses of heaven. He wants to use you. If God is calling you to do something, <clears throat> then do it today, N not tomorrow, because that is where joy and peace can be found. Christianity is a, mu it's a mutual thing, but we make it so complicated. We choose misery over joy. We choose slavery over freedom. We choose fear over choice. We choose to lay low over soaring above the clouds. Often we choose emotional and spiritual death. It's the alcoholic who's trying to stop and chooses that drink. The addict who chooses just one more hit. It's the person who's trying to overcome pornography addiction but clicks that mouse anyway. Emotional and spiritual death is the guy who wants it closer to his wife but chooses to stay at the office or out with his friends late once again instead of coming home. Spiritual death is the person who wants to serve in a church, perhaps lead a small group, talk to the neighbors about Jesus, or even go to the mission field, but doesn't because they're terrified of what that might mean. Folks, let me say this today. Maybe it's time that you stopped being afraid. Last night in the lobby, a gentleman walked up to me and said, Rick, I'm tired of you giving 98%. I want 100% today. So you're getting it. Hold on. Maybe it's time you stopped being afraid and you just started believing that God could do what he said he could do. You just started trusting God. T today, I want to encourage you to choose life. 
But, but not just life. I want to encourage you to choose an abundant life. Abundant means existing or available in large quantities, plentiful, overflowing. That is the life that God wants you to have. In the Gospel of John, the fourth gospel or biography of Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus is trying to explain to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of that day, who he really is because they weren't getting it. And Jesus says, yes, I am the gate. Those who come through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and find good pastures. I love that. If I believe in Jesus, I will come and go and I will find good pastures. I may have to walk through some bad ones to get there, but eventually I will find them. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Well, let me say that again because it's like a textbook. I say that line, you're like, I've heard that before. No, don't hear it, believe it. Jesus said to you, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. Do you have that? If we sat at Starbucks and I said, do you have a rich and satisfying life? Would I get absolutely. Jesus desires to give you and me a life full, a life beyond the regular, excessive. You know, the Old Testament and the New Testament never contradict themselves. I've heard people say, well, the God of the Old Testament is not the God of the New Testament. And I'm like, what are you talking about? God was ridiculously filled with grace in the Old Testament and he's legitimately filled with grace in the new. The Old Testament and the New Testament never contradict themselves. They're like a flowing river. The God of the Old Testament is the God of the... He hasn't changed. God's desire was and is for you to experience an abundant life. But you have to make the choice to take it, and it may not be easy. Listen, joy and adventure sometimes comes at a price. I mean, sometimes joy and adventure is way stepping out of your comfort zone. Joe Montehano was my director in Simi Valley Journey and, and working with you know, uh, drug addicted kids and just struggling, incredible, beautiful people in California. And I said to him, Joe, I need you to teach a small group. No, 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 I'll sit in the audience. Then he was teaching a small group. And then I would say, hey, Joe, you want me to come and speak? No, no, I got it. He said, I'm never gonna do communion at church. All right, no problem, Joe. Then he was doing communion at church. I'm not gonna stand in front of, then he was standing. He kept stepping out of his comfort zone, going bigger and bigger and better and doing more and more for God. And sometimes an adventure comes at a cost. Might not be easy, but man, it's worth it. You want to just lay lower? Do you want to soar? On the brink of a new home, a new opportunity at life, Moses tells the people that God wants to bless them beyond measure. Thousand years later, Jesus says, I've come that you might have a rich and satisfying buying life. Well, how? How do we get that? Well, only by rerouting your life. It was time for them to reinvent who they were. And it's time, it might be, it may be time for you to reinvent who you are. If you want to soar with God, if you want to choose life and joy, here's the first thing I want to encourage you to do. First, I want you to accept, I want you to accept God's word. I am asking you to believe that God wants to bless you. I'm asking you to believe that the Bible is absolutely true. I'm asking you to say to yourself, God wants me to have a great life. 
Remember the guy in the store, have a great life. It's too early to decide whether it's going to be good. Well, I didn't say good. I said great. He wants to give you and I a life worth living. Despite our failures, he has not given up on you. He wants to give you a life worth living. And that is the very first step to rerouting your life, accepting the truth of the word of God. Look at Hebrews chapter 11. And it is impossible to please God without faith. You can't do it. I want to please God. Then you got to believe him. You got to believe when he says he loves you. You got to believe when he says you're forgiven. You cannot please him until you begin to believe him. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You must believe that God's heart's desire is to reward you. Get over this picture of this God with a baseball bat. In the Old Testament, God said, He was offering you life and blessings. In the New Testament, Jesus said he'd come to give you a rich and satisfying life. Those blessings are for you, and it might be time that you simply accepted that. I'm asking some of you to wash away years of doubt. He wants to bless you. He does, and perhaps it's time you simply said, I believe that God, and I want to receive that. It won't be easy. Do it anyway, or choose death and defeat. I might be asking some of you to wash away years of self-hatred and guilt. You have messed up in life. Confess that before your heavenly father and move on. Jesus came to pay for all the horrible mistakes you've made. It won't be easy, but do it anyway or choose grief over joy. Choose isolation in your room and years of weeping over years of productivity. Jesus said that his purpose was to give you a rich and satisfying life. He didn't come to condemn you. Well, these are the words of Jesus in John chapter 3, talking to Nicodemus, a, 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 a religious ruler who comes to him in the middle of the night. And Jesus says this, God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him. There's no judgment against you if you believe in Jesus. <clears throat> but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. My friends and family, I feel like I say this a lot, but please understand that in order for, God, for you to be used by God, blessed by God, you have to believe in God and believe that he can and will use you. If God is calling you to do something, then do it today, not tomorrow. Self-hatred is wrong and destructive, and it's not what God is calling you to. Well, in order to receive all that God has for you, we must also accept responsibility. Accept responsibility. It's all, this one's all on you. This is a gift that God is offering that you have to take and to receive, just like salvation. He did all the work, but you've got to take it. You've got to call upon his name to be saved. You've got to believe that Jesus loved you and died for you. And the best you know how, call on him to be saved. Well, the joy in the abundant life is the exact same thing. You've just got to take it. If you're not living the abundant life that God wants for you, is, is it possible that it's because you are choosing not to live that life? It, it, if you are not living the abundant life, is it possible that it's because you are choosing not to live that life? We, we sat at that Starbucks and I said, are you living an abundant life? Absolutely not. Why? Because it's on you. Remember Moses' words? Count the yous as I read this, if you can. 
Today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and cursings. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice. By loving the Lord your God and obeying him and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Oh, that you would choose life. You can make this choice. This is the key to your life. The word you is used at least seven times. And if you count the yours more, God wants to give you an abundant life, but the emphasis is all on you. I am asking you to accept the fact that God wants to give you an abundant life, a life worth living. Now I'm asking you to raise your hand before God and say, God, I am in. What are the details? I'm in, God. I'm, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing life. I'm choosing blessings. What are the details? <clears throat> what do you want me to do? You name it and I'll do it. That's easy to say, but not easy to do. Husbands, that may mean you put down the remote and develop a closer relationship with your wife. Go on that weekly date, no matter how much work drains you. That's all on you. And God is calling you to do that. Dads, maybe spend time with your kids, not on your phone. I met a gentleman, he does not go to our church, I promise, but he does go to church, because our church folks would never do this. But I, I met a gentleman, and in, 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 he was in Starbucks, and he came up and told me what church he went to, that he had, like, I think seven kids. And then the next day, I was in Starbucks, I know, shocker, two days in a row, but he came in with his little son, maybe eight, nine years old. Folks, it was all I could do not to walk over, yank the phone out of this guy's hand, and, and just shut it off. His eight-year-old sat on the edge of the table in a chair like this while he, oh, yeah, he's on the phone laughing and joking and talking. Then a buddy came in, oh, I got to go, and he hung up, and he chatted with his buddy. The only words he said to his son was when he was walking out of the Starbucks, he said, let's go. That's a sin. That, that, that's a sin. Dads, maybe spend time with your kids, not your phone. Be the invested dad that your heavenly father has demonstrated to you. That might be the relining and rerouting that God wants to do for your life. God might want to say, I want to pour blessings into your heart and into your life, but I need you to change. And that's all on you. Wives, you may need to be the encourager your husband needs. Maybe together you both need to start figuring out what path of service the Lord has for you. Listen, we always need volunteers here. We, we did volunteer training for the Welcome Center. We're in desperate need of Welcome Center volunteers. Section hosts. We don't have enough section hosts. The, the guy who leads that came to me the other day and said, Rick, I need great help. This is a big church, and it needs big help. And guess what? When you start joining in and helping, God will say, hey, you know what? That church can handle more people coming to Jesus, and he will send us more. But he's not going to do it without you because I'm not doing it by myself. And neither is Patrick, and neither is Nikki, and neither is Daryl, and neither, is, neither are any of us. We desperately need you. And I cannot believe that God isn't calling some of you to fill those spots. Maybe it's time you did that. You know, telling God that you choose life always includes action. I want to say that again. Telling God that you choose life always includes action. Hey, I'm with you. I go home and watch Monk and Psych Marathons. I do that. I'm not saying you can't do that. 
But man, you better be able to say, this is where I'm serving. Because telling God that you choose life always includes action. Dropping to your knees and telling him, God, I'm in. What are the details? If God is calling you to do something, then do it today, not tomorrow, because that is where you will find abundant life. Let me make this even just a little bit clearer. I'm asking you to accept the challenge. To do whatever. Remember Moses' challenge? You can make this choice. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. You can make this choice. Maybe you've never made it before, but you can do it. Maybe today's the day when you go, I'm in. You say you needed section oaks. You say you needed welcome center. You said that you needed people sitting in the nursery. I'm in. You, you, you say somebody needs to lead the, my coworker at church or, or, or rather at work to Jesus. I'm in. Somebody's supposed to lead the family to Christ. I'm in. Somebody's supposed to move to Tunisia. I, I'm in. He loves you no matter where you are in life. If you're struggling with an addiction, anger, moral failure, anything else, he still loves and adores you. He does. Because he loves you and adores you, he will call you to a higher standard. He, he will call you to sobriety. He will call you to integrity. He will call you to self-control. What conviction is God laying on your heart? What is he calling you to do? Because he never changes his mind. Do you ever think about that? The Bible says that God is not a man that he changes his mind. Do you realize that if five years ago God called you to the mission field, he has not changed his mind? If two years ago he called you to start a small group, to lead a small group, he has not changed his mind. You may have buried it so deep you can't find it, but he doesn't forget what higher ground are you supposed to be seeking? There is a purpose to your life. Are you called to the ministry, the mission field? Maybe just to realign yourself physically or to go back to school. Are you the one who's supposed to lead your extended family to Jesus? Have you been called to lead a small group? Because I got to tell you, there's a group connect right after the 1045 service. Right here at church. And if, if it's time for you to join a group or lead a group, come to that. Be a part of that. Do not let fear stop you. God is calling you to sit on the floor with preschoolers in the church nursery, giving an early demonstration of what God really looks like. My child psychology teacher at seminary used to always say, you are Jesus with a little J to kill children until Jesus becomes Jesus. Who are you Jesus to? Maybe he's calling you to spend more time with your kids. Maybe you're the one who was called to demonstrate or even share the love of Christ at your office. God is calling you to do something, so what is it? What could stop you? What is keeping you from the blessings? You know, as Moses gave this final speech, God's chosen people stood across the river from the promised land. They had wandered in the desert for 40 years, camped for 40 years, but that wasn't what was supposed to happen. They, they were supposed to go from Egypt into the wilderness, right into the promised land. But it was 40 years later. For 40 years, they suffered. For 40 years, 
they, 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 they saw what God wanted to give them, but they weren't allowed to have it. Do you want that to mark your life? How long have you been sitting on this side of the river? Just, you could see, perhaps get a glimpse occasionally of what God wants for you. God wanted to give them, give them the promised land right away, but they chose fear or death. They picked disobedience over obedience. Well, look at this. This is 40 years earlier. The, the passage I'm going to read is 40 years earlier. Numbers 13. The Lord now said to Moses, send out men to explore the land of Canaan that I am giving to the Israelites. Send one leader from each of the 12 ancestral tribes. God's intention was for them to, to go in, see the land that he was going to give them, see the crops that were growing, a land filling, filled with milk and honey. Here's what the spies said when they came back. After exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel, Kadesh, in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen. They had gone into the promised land. They came back and, said, and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. They brought back grapes and, and, and all types of crops. The Bible says this was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country. A land flowing with milk and honey. Here's the kind of fruit it produces. They went and they saw it. They saw what God had for them. It was everything God said it would be. You could throw a seed on the ground and a plant would grow. Certain bees were, were nesting in the rocks and rocks were literally flowing with honey. They saw all that God has promised them and it was theirs. Not 40 years later, that day. But unfortunately, that's not all they saw. They saw something that their faith couldn't overcome. Well, I'm not going to lead a small group because, well, I'm not going to work with children because, well, I'm not going to go to the mission field because they saw something their faith couldn't overcome. Numbers 13, verse 28. But the people living there are powerful and the towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The, the, the Malachites and the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites that live in the hill country, the Canaanites and, the, and, and, and live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley, they, they saw all that God had promised them. God told them he was going to give them the land. God said that he would be with them, but somehow none of that mattered. They believed the challenge was too hard, even if God was going to go with them. They stood on that river 40 years earlier and God said, look at it. And they said, no, we choose death and life. We choose to stay low. We don't want to do anything, God. Look at the result. Verse 30, Caleb tried to quiet the people as he stood before them. Let's go at once to take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with them disagreed. We can't go against them. They're stronger than we are. So they spread a bad report. They weren't going, so they gossiped and bad-mouthed the church, so nobody else would go either. Man, is that not prevalent today? They spread a bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. But God said he'd give it to you. No, no, no. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there. The descendants vanished. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And, and, and that's what they thought too. So they spread this bad report. We can't go and you can't go either. God's not big enough to carry out the mission. They made a choice not to go, not to do what God had called them to do. And you know what? It was truly embarrassing how afraid they were. It was pathetic. 
If God is calling you to do something, here comes the 100%, then man up or woman up and just do it. Enough with praying about it. Enough with seeking counsel. When, when, when Moses is on the border of the, Mediter- or of the Red Sea, rather, and, and the Egyptians are thundering down on him, the people start complaining. And Moses says, don't complain, trust God. And then Moses starts to complain to God. And you know what God said to him? Why are you calling out to me? Get up and move. Stop sitting, if you are, on this side of the Jordan and looking and all that God has for you, and start taking it. They made their choice, so God made his. Remember, God said it's all in you. Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years, a year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sin. Then you will discover what it's like to have me for an enemy. Wow. God said, I said, I would give it to you. You don't want it, you don't get it. You don't want to reach out and take it, you don't get it. You're too afraid, fine, you don't get it. But you know that you made the choice. Instead of living in the promised land, they chose to camp in the wilderness. Following God just seemed too hard, too complicated. Instead of building gorgeous, beautiful homes, they literally stayed in tents. Instead of having all that God had for them, they had the minimum. It wasn't, going to be, it wasn't going to be easy enough for them, so they chose fear. They camped at a rest stop. Choosing God brings so much more joy than not choosing God. Choosing to go to the mission field, people will say to me, wow, that must have been really rough. And I'm thinking, are you crazy? We saw the world on God's dime. I laugh. We got to lead people to Christ. We lived in some of the most beautiful places. And, and I'm just throwing this out there. I went to Starbucks in Berlin, Warsaw, Paris, London, Krakow. Oh, it was an incredible joy and memories no one can ever take away. That's what serving God is. Over the years, I recruited many volunteers for churches. People that said, I can't do it, I can't do it. I talked them into it. And they'd come up to me in the hallway and said, Thank you so much. This is the greatest, greatest thing of my life. If God is calling you to do something, then do it today, not tomorrow. Allow the blessings that he so desperately wants to give you to flow. Choosing Crossroads has been another one of those great decisions and challenges for me and my family. I, I told you the first time Patrick called me, I was walking out on a golf course that overlooked the mountains. Would you like to come up to Indiana? I said, no. No, and I got to go because it's my turn at the tee box. But when I came up, man, I saw what God was doing here. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is here. If you can't find the Holy Spirit here, it ain't the Holy Spirit. It's you. Let me say that again because I didn't want to get confused. If you can't find the Holy Spirit here, it's not God. It's you. I told you I was giving 100%. I walked in this building on a Friday night and was over Hum with the presence of God. I chose this place because you all are worth it. I, I, I chose this opportunity to work, with, to work with a young man, Patrick Garcia, who was my student and who I have admired and loved. And he has become my counselor, a man of integrity and vision. 
Listen, I plan lots of laughter and joy as we work together to see our communities reach for Christ. No fear, my friends. What are the choices God's laying before you? What are the challenges that are so big? Only God can accomplish it. Figure that out and run towards it. God is calling you to do something, then do it today, not tomorrow. Let me pray. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. God, a call, serving you always inquire, it always needs action, God. Not enough just to say I love you. If I truly love you, I will seek what you want and I will run after it with all my heart. God bless these people. Might they choose to cross over that river. Might they say, I don't want to sit here anymore and just look at the blessings. I want to go take the adventure and grab a hold of the blessing. Bless and use these people, Father, for asking in Christ's precious name. Amen.